welcome back to the Wise Gal Podcast. That's the podcast where I, your lovely host and certified Wise Gal, Nia Anthony, talk about all things under the sun from politics to poetry to whatever the heck this week's episode holds. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but uh, I'm not like under the weather. I don't have COVID. I just have been waking up with like <laughs> the inability to speak the past few days. Um, so don't know what that's about. Um, but, uh, I think it's honestly probably, like, dehydration. Um, but I'm back this week. It is currently, uh, Saturday the 16th. I am supposed to be in a work training right now, but I can't get access to the Google Meet. So, love that for me. I spent all of yesterday just waiting around to see if I'd be let into the Google Meet, and my computer and every other device that I own just doesn't like me. So right now, it's 10.25 in the morning. I'm supposed to be talking about classes and prescriptions at Warby Parker, but I'm sitting here talking to you guys because tomorrow on Sunday, I'm going back to my mom's. Um, and if, for those of you who don't know, obviously you wouldn't know because you're not like active in my life. Um, but I'm kind of moving again for like the third time in the past few months. So I moved from uh, like Millersville, Maryland to Chesapeake, Virginia for a few months, like over uh, like after the summer. Um, In September, I stayed in Chesapeake, Virginia for the first semester of school, but I would go back and forth to Baltimore because there's work here. Um, And then uh now then i then i moved from chesapeake to baltimore um i've been staying at uh college campuses in the area for a a job thing and also with tanner and now uh, i'm we're just moving into another location so right now i'm coming at you from um uh, tanner's desk uh in this house that he shares with other roommates but i'm moving again into a studio apartment um that i will hopefully stay in for the next <laughs> eight months um until fall semester starts um so every time that i've been like uh, oh there's this random absence gap in podcast episodes it's because i've been moving so much um and that I don't really have a, a really a root system anywhere in any in any one state right now. Um, so I've been traveling with just my laptop and my microphone. Um, so that's why I've I've done some some podcast episodes from some gnarly locations, like when when I was um, at that socially distant wedding, like way way back in the summer, and then when when Tanner and I were in Philadelphia to record some things. Um, I do want to preface that I'm the first person to kind of like yell at other people for traveling during a pandemic um <laughs> but i have learned that um some things are inherently necessary um in terms of um one not going insane and two finding work like the only reason why i've been back and forth between virginia and baltimore is is because of work um and i go to school in maryland so it gets me a little bit closer to being on campus but um yeah so i i'm always the first person to be like why are you going to disney world uh, in the middle of a pandemic or like why are we flying to italy but um i can say that there are safe ways to if you need to cross state lines safe ways to do that um i never leave the car (laughs) um we do a lot of like pick up and drop off and sanitizing and covid checks and testing in and out and and all that kind of stuff but um i also never want to take a covid test away from someone that could really need it so 
that is my little spiel on that. I'm not defending myself. I just, <laughs> I just know that a lot of people listening to this are going to be like, oh my God, you're traveling. It's, it's way not as deep <laughs> as I think it is, but I finally landed a job that is a lot more, um, secure than doing this podcast which only gets me like a few cents a month um and also i i buy from doing like freelance writing and and writing for in the newspapers and stuff like that because there is no money in that if anyone ever wanted to know there's no money in writing for collegiate newspapers until unless you get to the level where you're like a a, a, an op-ed writer for um like the new york times or something (laughs) So, anyway, long intro aside, I've missed talking to you guys. It's only been a week, but I've missed talking to you guys. Today, we're getting into some stuff. I'm just going to touch, like, so, so briefly on uh, the insurrection that happened at the Capitol because uh, I just feel the need to talk about it, you know, from having this platform. Um, But also, then we're going to be talking about sustainable living and why I I hate it. I, I, there's so many problems with it, and I want to get into that. Um, And then we're talking about some TV shows that I've recently been watching because I've been consuming a lot of TV, a lot of media. Um, Also, we should stop shaming people for watching a lot of TV. Um, (laughs) I I think that it's an art form, just like everything else, just like film and just like going to the theater, but. uh, yeah, I've been consuming a lot of TV, so we'll, we'll get into that. And then our producer's corner, the favorite part of the show, um, you guys sent me in a few questions, some juicy ones this time around, uh, that I'm really happy to get into. So, long, long, long intro aside, we're like five minutes in, I want to thank you guys so much for your listenership. If you're listening on Spotify, which you absolutely should be, as always, my listenership support is on. So if you want to donate this wise gal a few cents, <laughs> it would be absolutely lovely, and I would give you the biggest air hug and like uh, mail you a cookie or something (laughs) um if you can make that happen but yeah thank you for your listenership because uh, this is one of the things that has kept me sane during the quarantine season uh so yeah without further ado let's get into the first segment of the eighth episode of the wise gal podcast all right i really want to keep this brief um it's probably not going to be anyone who's watched this or watched who's listened to this show um routinely (laughs) knows that anytime I'm like let's keep this brief it's gonna be a 30 minute segment but I really I really just (sighs) on January 6th I was here at Tanner's um which for first-time listeners he's a reoccurring guest um on this show but also we spend a a decent amount of time together (laughs) because we're in a relationship but um primarily for you guys i guess that know him he is he is a routine guest on this show um and that's not because of my favoritism it's because he's accessible we we live in the same area um whereas all my other friends i you know it's whatever covid hassle anyways i was at his house i i made dinner um or even before I made dinner, I think it was like, you know, in in the afternoon, late morning, afternoon. And um, we started seeing all this footage of mobs outside of the Capitol building. And I'm like, I've been um, an intern at the Capitol building on several occasions. For those who don't know, I am a political science major, but I've also like actively sought out opportunities within the Capitol building because I would love to one day be representative for a senator. Um, so it's my dream goal to, you know, in my undergrad or even grad school years of college, be a Senate staffer. So if anyone has any hookup to that, I would love to do that. But 
so I have a great knowledge of the the rooms in the Capitol, uh, the underground tunnel, the the hallways that lead to um, actual rooms of House uh, House of Representatives members and uh, Senate members and all of that stuff. So in my head, I'm like thinking about the the map <laughs> of the Capitol building, and I didn't think that anyone was really going to go inside. And then it just seemed like hours went by, and and we were just watching in horror as people were in the Capitol building, brandishing weapons. Uh, Capitol Police was basically nowhere to be seen. And, you know, I I originally was really concerned for our senators and representatives, because regardless of of which side of the aisle they're on, um, I think that attacking a nation's capital for for really no reason um, is something that is a huge, you know, that's terrifying for them. Um, and and having been, grow, having grown up as a Gen Zer and going through a K through 12 school, it, it brought me back to the place of hiding under our desks because of lockdowns. Um, anyone who's who's a Gen Zer knows that trauma of, of the rampant increase in school shootings and how many times even the rehearsals are really scary and morbid but um and then you go through the list of like okay if you have books then you're gonna throw it at them we're gonna throw our laptops and everything like that and i went to a school with half walls so in reality if a if a shooter ever came into um, my old high school they would be very successful because our our walls in the entirety of the upstairs are paper mache thin and they're also half walls so you could climb them if you really wanted to um so those were always terrifying so that brought me back to that place and i'm thinking oh my god like these these are, are lawmakers they could die um they could be attacked and they could die um but then I started thinking about uh, people like me, people that that were that were youth that were there, the Senate staffers, and and uh, just the mindset that they had to be in of like, uh, do I, you know, I'm here to protect my country, and my country is not protecting me, um, and I'm here in the best interest of my country, and my and my country does not have my best interest because you had people brandishing American flags outside, the, and they were the enemy in this case, and and that's a weird mindset to be in while you're also being like scared for your life. Um, so yeah, I just watched in horror, and I also I also kept thinking about like God, other countries must be so ashamed <laughs> for us. Like they must have secondhand embarrassment of what's going on because you have people that are storming the Capitol building for a decision that ultimately won't really affect them for the worse. Um, and I see a lot. We you know it's been said that there are so many comparisons between this mob insurrection of the Capitol building and the protest, the Black Lives Matter protests. Um, I just want to point out that, so I went to a Black Lives Matter protest, um, a very safe one uh, in the summer um, in Annapolis, which for my non-Maryland listeners is the state capital of Maryland. Um, And it was very peaceful, like very peaceful, like people were praying and uh, I got prayed over by a witch who was burning sage and she was wonderful and I love her um and and people people were singing and you know obviously we we did do chants there were there but there was such a heavy police presence for like not that many people um and if you've ever been to downtown Annapolis it's a very small you know you can't fit that many people down there um so yeah it was it was very it was extremely peaceful one of the most peaceful protests that I've ever really seen uh, the police chief himself came out to talk to us um but we had tanks 
we had we had tanks we had we we're right next to the naval academy so there were people from the navy there um like right next to the naval academy like walking distance you, you could you it's 15 feet away um and and they had uh, maryland national guard come in they had uh, like uh, members of swat but not actually swat because they were like plain clothed but but in they they had basically all of the gear of swat men but without the, the swat team like logo or whatever on them um so so the military presence and the police presence was so heavy and it was and it was all for people like pretty much under the age of 25 with the exception of like a few uh bra burner women um you know in, in their in their 60s and uh, who were also amazing and who also came and were just giving hugs and praying over people and it, it and there were tanks <laughs> Um, and, and guns pointed at my friends who are my age and younger, eight, 17, 18, 19 year old girls who are 5'4 and, and massive policemen with AK 47s and tanks. <laughs> like, and, and we didn't see any of that at the Capitol building where people were, were actually brandishing weapons. They were full grown adults. They were men who were militarized, who were dressed as if they were militarized. Um, and, and they were just like, knocking down barricades all willy-nilly um the one police officer who directed the entire mob away from the senate chamber is obviously a hero i mean a cab but he's still a hero um and uh, i'm not gonna say his name because i know that there's been the, like a, a huge massive media circulation of him and he doesn't necessarily want that because he wants his family to remain safe and i get that because now i think that he has a huge target on his back um which i'm laughing but it's really not funny i do think that he he should whoever is in charge of like the security measures of him really needs to be careful with that and mindful of that because uh, i think that this is the first event that we've seen but it's definitely not the last um and and i don't know the contrast between between we had tanks pointed at us and i was 16 17 whatever or 17 at the time um and like <laughs> no no one received that until much much later until until there were pipe bombs found and even then you know we didn't have a bomb squad called on them right away and, and like it's just mind-boggling to me and also the difference of causes so i don't think there's any comparison when people are trying to like match like parallel them because black lives matter protests and even and even like the women's march and 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 pride even though pride has never really gotten violent on the, on the side of uh the pride goers it's always been people mm, that are coming to to mess them up um we're fighting for like life and death you know we're fighting for uh equality we're fighting for we're, we're yelling and screaming and, and a lot of in, in some cases looting um and damaging things because one they're in our own neighborhood and we don't own any of it um, imagine living in an area that is designated for you, that is designated for our black and brown communities, and you don't own any of the business there. That's really problematic, right? But I also think that we that that we are we are yelling and screaming about people that have just died and and not received any justice. The amount of police brutality cases that we've seen in the past few years where there's not been any justice. Um, the fact that a lot of us uh, had have issues finding work and existing in our workplace and existing on our college campuses and and are, are still bleeding and dying and crying every single day like that that merits a protest <laughs> especially when our, our constitution is supposed to be protecting us and our laws are supposed to be protecting us whereas you know for a lot of 
Trump supporters, because I do think that it's it's necessary to separate Trump supporters from Republicans, because I've had a lot of Republicans come forward and be like, I don't mess with what they're doing. Um, they're, they're, they're going against, one, the, the rules of patriotism, um, carrying a don't tread on me flag into the Capitol building and, and the flag of the traitor, the Confederate flag of the nation that does not exist in the United States anymore, um, like, like stuff like that. And and attacking your your lawmakers and the people that are supposed to be looking out for you, your state senators and your representatives, they are the people that are the most direct to you. It's not the president. <laughs> um, so, so the one, you're being anti-patriotic, but two, when Joe Biden becomes president, they will be exactly the same. Your your jobs aren't going to diminish. You aren't going to see any uh, real consequence. You're going to go on continuing your very comfortable lives, the, the lives that allowed you to take a, a sick day or leave of absence to go and storm the Capitol building and commit uh, an act of I won't say domestic terrorism because of the link between that and Islamophobia, but uh, to commit an awful insurrection and you get to go back to your day jobs, except for the people that have been fired, which I stand by that um, because I think that the parallels between this and Hitler's Germany are so striking. Um, I just, I don't know. I was, I was ashamed of my country and I have always been ashamed of my country, but I just can't imagine wanting to bleed for a country so much and wanting to bleed for a single man who is a false prophet, who is a billionaire, who will be just fine with or without you, who does not actually care about you. I can't imagine storming a capital and committing a felony for him. I couldn't, not even for the country. The people that I would commit a felony for would be my children. <laughs> it, that's it. <laughs> Period, point blank. I would, I would, actually actively hurt someone and I would actually actively storm the Capitol if it was my child. Um, but I would never do it for some, for some man <laughs> who, who in the long run is not actively protecting your own interests. <laughs> you look really dumb. And I think for a lot of people, this insurrection, um, was maybe not even directed to Donald Trump. I think a lot of people just wanted to go and do something violent in the name of America. Um, and that Donald Trump is just the catalyst for that because a lot of people abandoned him when they were inside. He, the the you know there's been reporting that one guy said, "Guys, Donald Trump said to go home," and they still stayed. They were still there. Um, you know that video in itself is problematic, but I just I can't imagine. Um, and I think it's really funny. I think it's really ironic that now we're getting all of these people on like no fly lists um, and uh, they're getting fired from their jobs. I love to see it because uh, because you are for a second, for a sliver, for a singular moment in time experiencing what it's like to be one of us. <laughs> so I think it's great. I think, I think everyone needs to be knocked down a couple and, and whatever. But I'm just saying if I went into the Capitol building and I pointed a weapon at law enforcement and I got even close to the Senate chambers without when I when I was in the Capitol building you have to have two badges um at least when I was there this was you know uh, some time ago but you have to have two badges one of them has to has to read SB whatever um which is which is allowing you to actually be in the Capitol building and to get close to the Senate chamber uh, to the chamber um and to get close to the to the offices of your senators and representatives all of that stuff you have to have two badges to get in and your fingerprints need to be in the State Department before you can even 
do that unless you're just going there for a tour in which case it's different but you're not allowed to go into the entire capitol building but i was allowed to go into the tunnels because of my badges and everything like that um and then I, on top of that, I also had a press badge. So that gives you a, a decent amount of access. It's like the tier two or three of access, but but not all of it. Um, and so I just know that on a regular day, <clears throat> if I walked into the Capitol building, me, <laughs> a, a girl of color, walked into the Capitol building wearing like camo or a pseudo SWAT team uniform, brandishing a weapon, screaming stuff at the top of my lungs. If I just walked into the Capitol building and started making my way near the Senate chamber, ignoring the calls of law enforcement, ignoring the calls of the Capitol police that were there, I would be shot on sight. I would like, like <laughs> two steps in, especially if I was surrounded by other people doing the same. If, 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 <laughs> If me and all of my friends, all of my friends of color and all of my gay friends walked into the Capitol building carrying like Nicki Minaj flags <laughs> and the pride flag and and these these symbols that are near and dear to our heart that aren't actually racist, but that are near and dear to our heart. And we were we were completely militarized and some of us had guns and we walked in there and we were screaming stuff. We would we would be shot. They would bomb the Capitol building. <laughs> like no questions asked. So I just, I just don't, I, I don't understand. And all of the deaths that have happened, I mean, I, I, like I said, I would be shot. So I'm, I'm not surprised um, that that the woman who who was climbing into the window of of the Capitol establishment was shot by Capitol police. I'm not surprised at all. I do. I'm sorry that she lost her life by doing something that stupid. <laughs> but if it was any other one of us. Uh, the same thing would happen. You're not allowed to do that. I don't know how to tell you that you're not allowed to to, to, to go. You, you can, stealing from the museum and the Smithsonian is a federal offense. So, so <laughs> anytime you're in a federal building, uh, in a municipal building that belongs to the United States government, and specifically um, in DC, I mean, we're living in such a post 9-11 world that yeah, of course you would get shot for not complying with law enforcement through climbing through a window that he told you not to climb in through. Uh, like, your your privilege is showing in thinking that that wouldn't happen. <laughs> and now that she's become a martyr on all of these like QAnon websites and everything like that, I just, I just think it's so ironic. It's so ironic because if we did the same thing, they'd be like, God, they deserved it. And her blood and everyone else that died's blood is on the president's hands because he, and Rudy Giuliani's hands and everyone else who incited this and who encouraged it because it's not fake news <laughs> that Rudy Giuliani said that we're going, that, that this is, this is a matter of combat. It's not fake news that Donald Trump said, I love you. These are, these are things that are heavily documented on both news websites on, on, the, the archives of the president himself because he published it on his Twitter before it got taken down. I just don't understand how we can be like, well, that's fake and that didn't happen because it did and we all watched it. <laughs> so I don't know. I just I just think the cognitive dissonance is so real with Trump supporters, um, which is how we get really smart people who are super attracted to, to Donald Trump is because of cognitive dissonance. Um, and I know there are going to be, you know, if you show this to your grandparents, there are going to be older people who tell me that I don't know what I'm talking about. But I, 
I will, I can and will break down the psychology of why you appreciate Donald Trump, regardless of, of what background you're from. And it's in this, so at least a sliver of it has to do with cognitive dissonance. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. I was just, I was appalled and shocked and, and I'm not one to be a, a patriot, uh, or, or give myself up to America because it's just a place where I live. I don't need to live and die here um it's just a place where i was born in and where i live and i have no loyalty to it whatsoever because it has never had any loyalty to me so uh, i'm the first person to to be like yeah whatever like screw america but but there's something so weird about seeing uh, the people's house this for me uh, the reason why i would want to stay in the states altogether the capitol building um attacked and under siege by people who who supposedly love it it's weird it's it's so strange to me and that brings out i guess the little bit of like little girl patriotism in me because i'm like god that is it feels like an atrocity and like we're living in this like dystopian period and the fact that i i it sat with me so much (laughs) says a lot um, but yeah, I don't know if you guys, I'm going to link the, um, like the FBI's most wanted of the people from the insurrection today, um, in, in this, the description of this episode, because I think it's important that we catch all those people. I would love to see all of them in jail, um, not given organic food, but all of them in jail, um, or at least all of them lose their jobs because, uh, I don't care. And also, uh, it helps <laughs> people of color fill right into those slots. So no skin off my back, but, but God, yeah, I just, oh God, <laughs> it just hurts. It really hurts and it's terrifying. And I don't, I don't know how it was possible. I know how it was possible, but I don't know how it was possible. I, I also think, you know, we're we're really approaching, like I said, it's January 16th, we're really approaching Inauguration Day. I don't, I said even before the insurrection happened that I don't think that we should have Inauguration be outside because yes, we will have snipers on roofs and yes, there will be huge security detail, but I just feel like that's a great way to, to take out anyone who anybody doesn't like. I mean, Mike Pence is going to be there, Kamala Harris and her husband, Joe Biden, Dr. Jill Biden, every single one of them is going to be there. And I just think, you know, it, it being outdoors and still it's going to be close to the public, but people are still going to be there. And, and I can very easily visibly see um, there being some form of assassination attempt if if we move forward with having inauguration be outside. Um, and Joe Biden is old, so I don't know if he would survive <laughs> that. Um, but but also just with this uh, rumble and uh, of whispers of insurrection happening in state capitals all over the world, I, 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 not all the, over the world, but all over the America, <laughs> the America, all over the United States, there are threats of people storming state capitol buildings and other municipal buildings, um, like the insurrection that happened on January 6th. And I do think that that's possible. The only thing that's terrifying about people uh, you know, this increase in security detail around the Capitol building and, and all these other municipal buildings is because um, you don't know a lot of the people that were at the Capitol insurrection were members of the police force and were members of the military. So if those same people are going to be protecting these landmarks, 
who does their loyalty really lie to? Um, I think it's really hard to predict, uh, are these people going to go and do their job and save whatever, you know, the state houses? Um, or are they going to join in or simply just turn a blind eye? You know, like we saw the, the officers at the, the Capitol just like pushing open the barricades. <laughs> like, is that going to happen all over the states? Because I feel like it's it's possible that it will. Um, so, and I just, I just... <laughs> I don't even know. We're living in such a, such a, uh, I don't even know. <laughs> but uh, without further ado, let's get into, I was going to say something happier, but let's get into something uh, slightly less hard-hitting <laughs> and depressing. Uh, the second segment of the Wise Cow podcast. All right, guys, I am taking a sip of my massive mason jar of iced coffee. And getting right into this next segment. Also, the Trader Joe's cold brew. Um, I've been trying to get like little things from Trader Joe's. If you guys want to know like my my like favorites and not so favorites from Trader Joe's as of recently, um, I'd be happy to talk about that in an episode because I love going to Trader Joe's. It's a religious experience for me. Um, it's my happy place. But I got the like powdered cold brew, like the instant cold brew, um, and I do it with um, basically like a cup of almond milk and then like a fourth a cup of, not a fourth a cup, that seems like a lot, but, but basically a fourth a cup of their almond milk coconut creamer and then like a little thing of a spoonful of sugar or whatever, and it tastes like Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee just without any like add-ins. So I'm going to get some hazelnut syrup and try that in place of sugar. Um, and hopefully that then I'll start making the cups of coffee from home because that cold brew, instant cold brew is like $3.99 or something like that. So it's like the cost of a single cup of coffee. Um, but it's great. It's delicious. Um, you can make it with water too, but I find that it just tastes better with almond milk. Um, maybe that's just like the, the, the girl who watches a bunch of influencers in me, but, um, (laughs) so anyway, I want to chat about sustainability. Um, I am a singer. I know that was bad, but I am a singer. Um, So sustainable living. I have seen so many. Obviously, you guys know I'm on TikTok. I'm not on TikTok. I don't put out TikTok videos, but I am a TikTok consumer. I find that it makes me a little bit depressed. Like Instagram used to be my depression app where I can only like scroll through it for like for 20 minutes and then I'd be like, God, I don't want to be here anymore. Um, But now it's TikTok because TikTok, I'm on like the the political side of TikTok and the uh, we're living in a dystopian society side of TikTok. And so after a while, it can be really like disheartening. but I'm also on sustainable living TikTok because I do think that we should all strive for a greener earth. We should all strive to be sustainable. Um, but I want to talk about the the, 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 the disparity <laughs> between white sustainability efforts and just, and just trying to be a greener person. Um, and the first thing that I want to say is that if you are just... You know, you buy a lot of things with plastic, but you you maybe recycle or you have a compost bin or you have a reusable water bottle or you use reusable straws or um, you actively separate your trash from your recycling or uh, you you see trash on the side of the road and you pick it up or you're at the beach and you see a, a soda thing and you pick it up. Like any of those things, all of those efforts are valid. I know that it seems like from all of our influencer friends that we just kind of have to live in this place of like, 
I I need to consume entirely green things and also buy from farmers markets and also go broke buying from like whole foods not like specifically whole foods but like whole food markets um i also need to go broke by buying all of these like stainless steel these safety razors that are two hundred dollars and and all of that stuff and i can't buy anything with plastic and i can't go eat fast food and i can't eat red meat ever again and all of the cows are dying and <laughs> like i just i know that it can be an overload of like i'm i'm not doing anything um but you, whatever you are doing is good. <laughs> Anything that you're doing to try and conserve. Even if you just are like, I'm drinking out of a metal straw today. I, I see you and you're valid and you're doing you're doing the damn thing. Um, I sit in front of you drinking out of my mason jar and my stainless steel cup. But um, I just... I just think that we we need to focus our efforts on like away from just attacking individuals for for not doing whatever for not being a superfood vegan crazy person and and also um directing our efforts to blaming actual corporations because every single one of us individually doing our little thing yes we do we we together produce this massive carbon footprint but um until it starts at, at the corporation level and at the government level a lot of our efforts are going to be unnoticed um we're not really going to make a dent in our ever opening ozone layer and our ever melting ice caps and then whatever um yeah i feel like a lot of people are like shaming um and canceling people for for buying things with plastic and um for for not being a vegan and to the veganism thing being a vegan in today's society is an exercise if you're a white person is a complete exercise of your white privilege because one it is very expensive to be vegan and two or not not very expensive i should say being a vegan and buying from these like stores like whole foods and and sprouts and fresh market um buying your produce and your protein products from there can be very expensive um buying them from you know smaller or not even smaller chain stores but places like a trader joe's and an aldi those can be like a lot less expensive um even like a walmart um if if you don't have any of those things in your area but most of the time we see white vegan veganism you have um these influencers and these people that are able to buy from these really expensive fresh food markets um and cook with their very expensive utensils and drink out of their very expensive stainless steel cups and then we shame other people for doing that but and a lot of a lot of people of color who maybe want to go vegan and don't have access to that like one grocery stores aren't accessible <laughs> those types of grocery stores aren't accessible outside of like many metropolitan areas um if you're in the middle of nowhere chances are you're not going to have like <laughs> your your whole foods or anything like that and um or your vegan markets altogether i should say but also um, having the accessibility to uh, do things like compost and, and use these really expensive um, utensils and straws and, and bars of soap and all of that stuff. Like, it's just not accessible to everybody. Um, and then you risk the quality of your food going down if you're buying from cheaper places because in reality, like, it's just as bad for you as everything else. So... Um, but also, I mean, there are other cultures across the world who are m mostly vegan, 95% vegan or whatever, um, and we're just taking things from them, we're taking their resources from them and we're making it trendy, and I don't mess with that. I think that's so, it's, veganism has a lot of colonialism in it, especially white veganism, it has so much colonialism in it. Um, 
and I also think that I am I am really a believer in like omnism like you know every single religion um, to its core, not necessarily like organized religion, is uh, valid. I think that they could all be true, right? And so my focus is a lot of the time on spirituality. And I do believe that we have, you know, us being animals and also from an evolutionary standpoint and from a biology standpoint, um, we're supposed to consume protein. And yes, we consume protein from um, things like nuts and, and legumes and beans and everything like that. And that's all fine and dandy. But I do think that, you know, the way that we have functioned <laughs> historically has also been by eating animal meat, by eating chicken and, and cows. And I think that there is a way for us to do it. You know, farming back in the day was sustainable. Um, eating, going to a butcher is sustainable. It is very sustainable, especially a hometown farm to table butcher, um, or people who have chicken farms or stuff like that. I'm not talking about Purdue because it's a massive company and it puts out thousands of damages <laughs> to our ecosystem and to our ozone layer. Um, but going down the street to your local farmer's market, that meat is as sustainable as it's going to get because you have a few cows, they graze the land, um, they die on the land, they're, they're replenishing the earth, and you are also getting fuel into your body and et cetera. So, it's, so we're perpetuating the cycle, the good cycle for our earth. Um, whereas when you're buying from these big corporations, it's a little bit different. So I don't think that you necessarily need to go vegan. Um, and I have also nothing against people that are vegan. I, I applaud you for living that lifestyle, but I think attacking other people for it and also saying that it's the only way we're going to save the planet, neither of those things are true. There's a lot of research that is you know, there to back up veganism, but a lot of it is bias. <laughs> so I just... I think we need to check ourselves and what we're putting on to other people because uh, a lot of colonialism and veganism go hand in hand, especially since we're taking all of these primary vegetables and primary resources from communities that have been vegan for centuries or 95% vegan for centuries. Um, and we're taking them and we're being like, oh, look at this thing that we love. Um, and and then they're like, we've been doing it for years and also you're, you're now <laughs> taking all of our stuff um but also that that comes hand in hand with sustainable products sustainable products even maybe more so than food are also inherently expensive because you're paying for labor i try my absolute hardest to buy sustainable products when it comes to my um skincare and body care and hair care and all that kind of stuff and you know I'll, i will be switching to a bamboo toothbrush because i like them <laughs> um but also i know that they end up in landfills um and i do drink out of a reusable water bottle and i do like drinking out of mason jars and and you know cooking at home versus like going fast food and stuff like that but sustainable products are are super expensive um and it's very easy for big companies to switch to more sustainable products and more sustainable ways of being. However, they would have to pay people <laughs> more um, and they would have to pay more for their resources or, or highlight communities for their resources like the body shop does when you know they're sending money to the, the native areas that their products are being made and sourced from and stuff like that. Um, so 
I think on the stuff that you can splurge on, of course, go sustainable and and go uh, people of color and sustainable if you can. I don't think that we should be, we don't need to be buying from like random white people who are trying to push sustainable products. I don't think that that's, you know, if you, if you can be like preservationist and, and conservationist at the same time, um, in terms of like our culture and our society, um, and the world that we live in, then that's great. So, so buy black and sustainable or personal color and sustainable, or even, you know, LGBTQIA plus and sustainable, um, because we need it. <laughs> we need the business. But, um, I don't know. I just think that we, it, it does, a lot of the responsibility does fall into our hands. And I will say that, you know, anytime that you're like perusing in Target or whatever, and there's so much plastic there and we just like it. Um, so we buy it and whatever. I just got a shipment of clothing um, and every single thing came wrapped in plastic. And I was like, Jesus Christ. But um, I just think like we, we need to cut ourselves some slack because it's not at the lowest level, it's only us trying to buy things that we need. Um, and I don't think, or even things that we want, I don't think there's wrong with buying anything that you want that's wrapped in a bunch of plastic. Or if you don't like the feel of safety razors and you like plastic razors, like, yeah, it would be great if you could do the eco-friendly option. But if you don't have the money or the funds or, or those are the same thing. If you don't have the money um, or the accessibility or the time or whatever, or you like what's near to you, I think that you should cut yourself some slack. Um, because being a villain about um, controlling the things that we're buying and the things that we're consuming um, isn't going to help anybody. It's just going to make people more scared to talk about it and who we should really be blaming are these major corporations and even our government because our government could really shut down a lot. Um, there are other countries where sustainable efforts start with legislation and end with legislation and so people, you know, their economy is doing just fine and dandy. <laughs> um, running on these more sustainable options and these more sustainable food options uh, without any question. But because nobody's really checked our government about that, um, we still go on consuming all of these things that have that are harmful to our environment. Um, and they know that we're going to keep buying it because they're, they're all of our necessities. They're our food and our, our care. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I just, I just wish that we did better to be nicer to each other about the, the choices that we're making um, because so many of them are out of necessity. And this is also to say fast fashion. Um, I don't like fast fashion. I don't support necessarily fast fashion, but I still actively partake in it because I am a college student and I can't afford to shop sustainable brands because they are expensive um and i've yet to find a sustainable brand that is expensive i you will never ever 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 catch me buying a leather purse or a leather jacket that's real um just because that's kind of <laughs> that's really where i draw the line but um you know i i am still an active participant in fast fashion as much as i don't want to be because society is telling you to do these certain things and as much as I hate listening to society I am a girl in the 21st century so it's kind of like ingrained indoctrinated in, into us or whatever um but anytime I need new clothes it's very hard 
to find something that's accessible and inexpensive um, and that's going to uh, not be super labor intensive and everything like that. Um, so fast fashion is there and it's comforting and it's easy. And I think that um, it starts with wanting to do better um, about the things that we are purchasing. You know, I'm trying to be mindful of um, not perusing on Amazon all the time and not buying from these Asian wholesale websites. And I've stopped shopping at Forever 21 and everything like that, but it's still there. Um, and it's still something that I'm going to have to actively participate in the next time that I have to buy clothes. So, um, it, it, capitalism <laughs> and companies know what they're doing to keep us in this loop of not um, buying things that are sustainable. That being said, I do think that you, you need to do a check on yourself. If there, are there, if there are easy swap outs in your life, if you're like, I found this sustainable brand and I'm fine with not shopping every you know few weeks or whatever for new clothes and just buying these things that are going to be staples and buying higher quality things that are going to be staples, um, then start doing that. If you're like, well, I can swap out um, eating at this store and then eating from another one because I don't like how much plastic they use around their uh, fruits and vegetables, then that's also great. If you're like, I found this bar soap that's 10 times more sustainable than the stuff that comes in a can, um, which is also, by the way, one of the easiest bathroom swaps that you can make is just transitioning from package to like pump body wash and bottled body wash to a bar of soap um because and there are also a lot of the times uh black black owned businesses i can link a bunch in the description of this podcast below um but simple stuff like that like i was saying earlier like i was saying earlier with uh, recycling and composting and picking up stuff on the side of the road and picking up stuff when you're at the beach all of those things go towards a greater effort but they they don't start and stop with just us <laughs> um so cut yourself some slack um and recognize the privilege that you have if you were able to afford all sustainable all the time and all vegan all the time and and uh, you are able to drive your hard, your hybrid or your electric um, because those things are, are inherently more expensive than, than everything else that we're going to find. And that's not our fault. <laughs> it's our fault because we're contributing to it, but, but you know, in a lot of ways we have to. So um, I would do a check, a self-check on yourself of like, one, am I exercising a great deal of privilege by telling other people that this is how they supposed, they're supposed to be living their lifestyle? Um, Two, what is accessible to me in this area? And three, how what are little changes, little swaps that I can make um, in order to be more sustainable in my own right, in order to reduce my own carbon footprint? And, and you know, when we see a bunch of other people doing it, it makes us want to do it ourselves. Anytime I see someone with, like, a composting bin or, like, their own personal garden, I'm like, God, I want to do that. Um, it's very cottagecore-y of you. <laughs> so um, I think the more that we're just, like, doing the best we can individually and sharing those resources with each other, and if you have any cheap um the sustainable businesses um not cheap as in quality but cheap as in price or, or you have any businesses that you want to shout out please email them to me um at the wisegirlpod at gmail.com email address because uh, i think that would be really cool for um the viewers the listeners the viewers the listeners of this podcast to hear so i'll shout them out the next episode um but yeah so Oh my god guys it's 11 11 make a wish <laughs> um so yeah without uh more rambling we're going to transition into the third segment of the wise Girl podcast 
All right, happier topic. Moving on. Um, I really want to talk about some TV that I've consumed recently. Um, so to start off, I finished Bridgerton. Like everyone else in the world, I basically binged it. I watched the first episode and then I was like, oh my god, this is so good. And then I couldn't finish it like the, the two days after that. Um, and so like a week later, I finished it in like two and a half, a day and a half or whatever. Um, it was very good. I really liked um, visually the show is very pretty. Um, so that was really nice. I also really liked, obviously, that there were just a ton of people of color um, in the show. I do wish that we saw more dark-skinned dark Black people, um, but but I did appreciate the, uh, the... And also, like, it wasn't a huge plot point of the show. It wasn't like, it's Black people and white people, and we're, like, all doing this thing. Um, I really enjoyed that. Um, the costuming, in my opinion, I know they created... I have read so many articles about creating the Bridgerton universe and creating the costumes that go along with that. I watch a lot of style analysis videos um, about an array of shows and topics, but also specifically on Bridgerton. And I kind of in the camp of everyone else where I think that we could have done a lot better to one, be more historically accurate, two, give Daphne some more depth in her dresses and some more variety in her dresses, and three, that a lot of the female characters were not dressed either appropriately or what's flattering for them. I understand it for the Featheringtons, but I also have a bone to pick with their dresses. But Penelope in specific, I feel like she was gypped. Um, I feel like she she fell victim to just being a curvy young girl. <laughs> so we were like, we'll just put her in the ugly dresses because haha. Um, and I don't like that. I think that, you know, if anyone who doesn't know, she's also the actress um, that's in Dairy Girls and I love her in that. So um, yeah, I just... I just wish that we did better because I don't like seeing her in like these big ugly yellow um and I, I understand that we wanted to see her as like not <laughs> an attractive or a sexual being because of the whole Colin storyline but I just I wanted better for her um <laughs> so yeah I also wish that um we didn't reveal at the end of the last episode who Lady Whistledown was I hope it's a red herring I hope that it's not <laughs> who they said it was <laughs> I'm trying not to spoil it but but I really hope that we didn't just do that reveal super early I think it makes sense who they said it was but I liked the mystery of not knowing who Lady Whistledown was um and then I also just really I'm I'm sorry guys <laughs> but <laughs> I really don't like um the the storyline or the the love relationship between Daphne and Simon um it seemed it's very toxic it's very quick um and I feel like neither of them are actually getting what they want they just like have a lot of sex and that's like it and and I don't appreciate their relationship um I also I mean someone asked me a question about one of the scenes that was questionable in my producer's corner so I'll talk about that more then but I don't know I just I want more for I think Daphne's kind of annoying like she's kind of a pain um <laughs> and I think that Simon is very like emotionally unavailable and he needs some he needs to, to figure out his stuff and I don't think they're a good match if I was Daphne I would have married the prince called it a day he had great taste in jewelry he was very sweet he was very attractive and I think we should have left it at that um but but yeah I did really appreciate the diversity in the show I wish that not every single girl that had a love interest was light skin I think that that kind of enhances the trope that only light-skinned black women are allowed to like be in love um whereas Lady Danbury is the best character in the entire show and you cannot at me about that and also her dresses are fire so yeah, that's my that's my rant about Bridgerton. It was a beautiful show, um, in terms of like 
filming wise all of the garden scenes when they're like doing when they're promenading and stuff i love all of those they're really nice um i finished big mouth uh, i loved the last season of big mouth we really got in there we we went in like guns ablaze i'm talking about matthew and his parents and him being gay we missy's whole character arc um being a mixed girl was done very well um and i also love that we switched her voice actress so that she um could actually be played by a black woman um not that i didn't love the voice actress that played her before but i think that we should just have the people you know the, we should have the representation like match up um and it did feel a little bit weird it would have felt more weird with her uh, in the episode with where she's like calling out her mom and her dad about not raising her in the quote-unquote black way. Um, it would have been very uncomfortable to watch that, like knowing that she was still voiced by the other actor. Um, but yeah, I really loved that. Um, I don't love the character arcs between like Andrew and Nick in this season, but I do think that all of the girls in the show, Jesse's um, whole situation with like dating an older ninth grade boy um, is great. Um, I love Jay and Lola's relationship. I think they're great. I ship them. <laughs> it's wonderful. Um, yeah, I just think that this was a very good, um, and also that we got some character arc from Devon um, and how he talks about code switching. We have the code switching song. I thought that was brilliantly done. I just think it's really good. It brings me back to like being in middle school and feeling very small, but also I can like laugh about it now. Um, it's not a joke. I, I, I was talking to, um, some people about this like a few days ago but it's definitely not one of those shows that you your parents i think would get i think it's a little bit too like crude for them um but growing up in that time if you're like a gen zer i think that it's it's um it, you will appreciate it. <laughs> um especially this newest season because i do think that we we just tackled some issues without being like political quote-unquote about anything um they're just issues that i think a lot of people in that age group face but since they're being voiced by actors and the jokes are more crude and more like over the top and they're very hyperbolic um i think that it works as like both a comedy and like a don't you remember when that was awful <laughs> kind of situation so i loved it um, I just finished the Queen's, Queen's Gambit. I know I'm late. I know it's been out for a while, but it was great. It was beautiful. I loved it. I think that Beth is a very toxic person, but I not because she's a drug addict. I think she's just such a toxic person because she kind of just like kicks people out of her life and then wants them to show up for her. Um, but yeah, her mom was really like the star of the show. I loved her. She was a queen. Um, I loved that her orphan story wasn't super sad. Um, I love that we showed how children used to get addicted to actual like opiates back in the day. Um, I loved Jolene's character arc of how she's like this, um, she's like going to law school to be like this radical um, <laughs> lawyer and she's going to be an activist and stuff, but she's like dating this old rich white dude and he bought her the car. And like, I just, Jolene's character arc is one of my favorites in the entire show even though it's like barely there we only get a few episodes with her in it after she's a child um i wouldn't have if i was her i really wouldn't have paid for beth's way to go to russia even though she ended up winning um just from a logistical standpoint um like the i don't know if my my drug addict not super reliable friend was like can you give me three thousand dollars your law school money to go across the country across the country across the world to russia um in a match against the unbeatable <laughs> chess grandmaster i'd be like i love you girl but <laughs> no um but i do like that i like that she won i liked that um 
like all of her ex-boyfriends at the end were like cheering her on i thought it was cute i don't necessarily think she deserved it but i thought it was great that beltic and benny were there and um i don't know i just thought it was nice uh i liked seeing um how she um originally loses her virginity versus when she sleeps with benny and she talks about how it's different um and i think that that was really like i just liked it my favorite thing about the show though actually has nothing to do with chess um but it has everything to do with the fact that she um we got all these shopping montages um and i was explaining this to longtime friend of the show tanner um who (laughs) i was the whole time was just geeking out about the outfits in the show because i loved the costuming of it and it was very intentional like um when she wakes up in Mexico City and her dress matches the uh, pills and, and everything like that. every The costuming was very intentional because we saw her grow. We saw her go from wearing a uniform to going to high school to she starts wearing pants after her mom dies in black and reds. Um, and, and these uh, these emerald green colors that really bring out her skin. Um, but I love that we got shopping montages and she did all these girly things like shop and she loved fashion and she loved the dresses and she loved gardening and she fixed up her house. Um, but she wasn't villainized for it. Never on the show where they like, they were like, we're shocked. We're shocked because you're a girl and girls don't play chess, but, um, there was no like you're girly and we're villainizing you for that because i think in a lot of movies and tv shows, the girly girl is always, is almost always like, the stupid bimbo or she is like really mean um and those are the two tropes that you're allowed to be when you're a girl and you're like wearing pink and dresses and gardening and shopping um but beth was a very girly girl um but she was in a very masculine sport and she didn't have to use she didn't you know she wasn't overly sexual she wasn't stupid and she wasn't mean so um i really appreciated that i really liked that we saw her like also transform the scene where her um uh, she's back at uh the the department store and she runs into the girl from high school and the girl from high school is basically dressed like she was in high school but beth is wearing pants i think that was genius because it visually shows us that this girl is still stuck in the 50s and beth (laughs) is in the 60s and she's living her best life and she's you know quote-unquote radicalized to the standards and she's you know wearing stuff from paris and and but they're both struggling with their alcoholism and i think that's a beautiful thing so the costumes in the show if you if you um didn't pay attention the first time. I just recommend rewatching it for the costumes because it's great. Also, Benny's costume transformation when he's like covered in all of his like cowboy trench coaty stuff, and then at the end when he's helping Beth win and he's just in a turtleneck. I love it. I love it. I love it. It was genius, and I love it. <laughs> all right. So I also um, this was kind of recent, not as recent, but I finished Marianne, which is a French horror TV show. If you like. Um, American Horror Story, but you want more, like, more twistediness of it and more horror. I'm getting, like, chills just thinking about it. Um, definitely watch Marianne because it is, um, you'll be able to keep up with the subtitles, or if you speak French, then that's great. Um, you'll be able to keep up, but it's, it's, it's done really well, and it's done perfectly, um, in terms of, like, the horror, suspense, supernaturally stuff that happens in it, because it's a weird show, um, but it's, it's just, it's done beautifully, and I loved it, um, I also loved how every single person looked like a real person, 
Um, same, same with uh, the show that I'm going to talk about next. I love how European media really gets actors that look like people instead of like we're we are supposed to believe that these absolutely drop dead gorgeous people with six packs and like fake eyelashes are high school and college students. Um, so I really enjoyed that. Even though Marianne, they're they're definitely like adults. You know, they're in their thirties, but that they all look like real people and they still have relationships and and they're still like sexual people but they're not like (laughs) the sports illustrated models um and they're pretty but they're not like you know whatever societal standards or whatever but yeah i thought it was really well done um also aries was really well done it is a i don't remember what language it's in but it's another european horror-y kind of show it's more suspenseful than horror um but there it's like a creature feature but like really not in the realm of creature features like not like your campy abu gonna get you kind of creature feature it's like a something's brewing in the basement kind of thing um but it's done really well it's very like opulent and uh, rich it shows a lot of riches and like um the differences in societies and stuff like that and it's great it's about a secret society on a college campus um like a sorority on a college campus and it's wonderful it's done really well the actors are really great in it the ending is like really wild (laughs) um and i want more of both and then finally uh i this is also a long time ago but i finished the haunting of Bly manor I thought it was a great love story. I didn't love it as much as Haunting of Hill House. I think Haunting of Hill House had more um, continuity and like little Easter eggs in it that I really, 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 really appreciated. So yeah, I loved, I loved, I loved Haunting of Hill House. I did really like Haunting of Bly Manor though. I thought that it was done very well i love mike flanagan i'm the first person to say he's one of my favorite horror directors um that we have he's great um i also love like <sighs> victoria petri is really great in it and and yeah i just it was great it was well done um not as good as haunting of hill house but it's definitely a better love story i like cried at the end of haunting of Bly manor um the relationships in it are very good um yeah i loved it so yeah, so those are the recent TV shows that I've been watching lately. I'm about to finish Sabrina, Disenchantment, um, and a few others, so I will definitely update you guys because I have a, I have so many thoughts on Sabrina, the third and fourth season. Um, spoiler alert, I don't like Sabrina as a character. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll get into that another time. Um, without further ado, let's jump in to my favorite part of the show, my producer's corner. All right, guys, jumping into the producer's corner, my favorite part of the show, where you guys send in your questions, comments, concerns, and stories, and I just talk to you about them. It's basically like an Ask a Wise Gal um, podcast. Since this was a solo pod, I it's just going to be me answering your questions today, and I hope that's all right. Um, as always, you guys can send in your questions, comments, concerns, and stories to thewisegalpod at gmail.com email address or to thewisegalpod Instagram. Um, I don't get a lot of DMs, but I do get a lot of emails emails so whichever way is cool for you um as always your questions comments concerns and stories remain 100 anonymous because i know that people are in your business and i don't want people in your business so let's just jump right into it shall we the first question i talked about bridgerton earlier in the episode um this girl asks me 
what did I think of Daphne's marital rape scene? <laughs> so, spoiler alert, um, I'm gonna talk about a little bit of the Bridgerton spoiler in this section, so <laughs> just be mindful of that. Um, I don't know if this really needs a trigger warning because it, it is fictional and I'm not like really, I don't know, I guess trigger warning if we need it. Um, but uh, this comes after, so, so, Daphne's mom, before she gets married to Simon, does not really tell her about sex and how women get pregnant. She just kind of, like, glosses over it. Um, she just speaks in metaphors, and she doesn't actually tell her what's going to happen. So um, Simon lies to Daphne and tells her that he cannot have children. Um, and it's because he's grappling with his father being a, a horrible person or whatever, which is also a terrible, like, like, Simon was so in the wrong for lying to her about the fact that he couldn't have kids and lying to her about how sex works because at this point they've been married for like a few days or whatever so all they've been doing is having sex and he's still actively lying to her and I think that that's wrong um also his childhood trauma is like not deep enough to not <laughs> impregnate Daphne but whatever that's a whole we'll get into why I hate Simon in a different episode but um, so I think that he was wrong for that, like, first of all. Um, not gonna excuse what Daphne does, but whatever. So, uh, I don't know how, I mean, this, this episode is not gonna have an explicit content rating, so I'm gonna try my best to, like, tiptoe around everything, but, um, uh, Simon actively avoids not getting Daphne pregnant for all the times that we see them have sex after they get married. Um, so Daphne uh recognizes that he's avoiding <laughs> getting her pregnant but she doesn't understand what's happening um he just she just notices that he always pulls away from her um whenever at the end of when they're having sex or whatever so she uh goes to a trusted chambermaid of hers in the castle and is like explain to me how babies are made because the wheel is starting to turn she's starting to to get it starting to make sense um and the chambermaid has some children i think so she's like i want to know everything so the chambermaid sits her down and she explains i also loved that this was a uh this was kind of an explanation of the wealth disparity between the two because the chambermaid already knew this before she even got pregnant or even had her kids or was even married but Daphne's mom because they're a rich family didn't explain it to her and her brothers knew about it but she didn't and her brothers were allowed to like sleep with people before they got married and, and I just liked that we saw the the wealth gap and the class gap and the, even the gap between like the male and female it's, it's great but um so the chambermaid explains her uh, to her in like a non-metaphorical very matter-of-fact way of how women get pregnant um so Daphne is curious obviously she goes to to Simon she's mad at him but she doesn't let it show um she initiates having sex with him and then she basically gets on top of him and forces him to impregnate her um and <laughs> it's a really messy scene because they are already having sex and he is consenting to it um so i don't know if i would say that it's rape in that sense but i would it's equally as 
cruel and uncomfortable because she is making him impregnate her um and you can't force anybody to impregnate you um so so i just i wouldn't know what to call it i mean i guess it's more of an assault um than anything <laughs> like um it's really messed up i didn't like her after that after she did that i was like don't mess with you anymore because that was really screwed up i mean what he did was also unwarranted. I don't think that you should be lying to your spouse about um, the, like, you know, I just, <laughs> I just, I just, I really don't like either of them. Um, but I do think that Daphne's really screwed up for that. But we let her get away with it because she's like petite and pretty and whatever. Um, and then after that, obviously, there's this huge rift in their marriage because she's like, you lied to me about, you know, our sex life. And he's like, you just made me impregnate you. So it's, it's a really, that's a tension point for them. I think they should have just, I don't know, dueled it out and got divorced. But uh, I know that, that wasn't possible back then, but it's just, I don't know. It's such a messy scene. I don't like it. Um, I don't know. I hope that we don't get any more of that like in the future because it's weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, I hope that answers your question. I really didn't. I just, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know how to classify that really. Um, all right. Well, the next question is what's my zodiac sign? My zodiac sign, I'm a Taurus. Um, that is my like, you know, central sign. And then my rising is I'm a Scorpio rising. So that's cool. Um, I think both of those are true. I have all of the like negative and positive traits of being a Taurus. Some people say that they're not like their zodiac sign. I'm pretty, um, Except for, like, wanting to be stagnant all the time, because a lot of Tauruses want to be stagnant all the time. I don't want to be stagnant. I want to be comfortable. Um, but I love to move around and go around and travel and, like, all that other stuff. You know, being in this pandemic has been crazy for me because I haven't been able to, like, have 16-hour days, which are things that I genuinely love. I love doing a lot of stuff and going from work to going out to hanging out with people to coming back to waking up super early in the morning to do it all again. Like, I love stuff like that and going to new places and seeing new things. Um, but I think that comes from the Scorpio side of me so um i think that makes a lot of sense but i am i am so stubborn i am so loyal to people uh, but in that same breath i am i'm also very viable to like just not spending time with people that i don't like um i love material things i love fashion and and the symbol of wealth without all the capitalism that comes with it um i love uh, romantic relationships and passionate relationships being passionate about things. Um, I'm either like, I either love something or I really don't like it. Um, so, so yeah, I love, and like, you know, making your space comfortable. I also love food. Like really, I'm, I'm a huge foodie and I love cooking and I love going out to eat. And, um, my like primary thing to do while hanging out with people is for some sort of sort of food to be involved and I like hosting people. So yes, I am I am a Taurus and I am a true Taurus. Um and then she also asked if there was any zodiac signs that I don't like. Um Gemini females, <laughs> sorry, um Aquarius men <laughs> we don't vibe with. Um a lot of Leos, uh but which is weird because my mother is a Leo. And so I found that <laughs> um, if we're a little bit distant from each other, even when we're living together, if we're like going about our daily lives, we have a wonderful relationship. Um, but but our zodiac signs are just prone to, to clashing. So sometimes that does happen, but, but we get through it very like, quickly. Um, so so yeah, so it's just, I just think it's funny um, that she's a Leo, but other Leos except for her because she's my mom. So obviously we're, we have a bond that's a little bit different, but any other Leo that I've met, I'm really not a fan of, um, both male and females. Um, but it also depends on their rising sign. So 
that's a little bit different. She's kind of on the cusp, so, that's, so I guess that's also why we're, like, we're pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, I would say, I would say Gemini females, and females, I don't like saying that. Gemini girls and um, Aquarius, he's and they's, <laughs> really not a fan of. Um, I'm actually going to Google because I'm really curious to see, um, like, who Tauruses aren't most compatible with. <laughs> so let's see. Going on a little Google train with me. So if I'm going to link the article that I'm looking at right now. <laughs> um, so the most compatible signs with Capricorn or with me are Capricorn for some reason. So and all of my Capricorn friends, hey. Um, also apparently Cancers and Scorpios. That's true. A lot of my best friends are Scorpios. Um, the least compatible signs with the Taurus are an Aquarius, <laughs> a Gemini, and a Leo. So <laughs> there you have it. Um, yeah, I just I don't um, I, I I just don't don't mesh well with a lot of um I dated someone who was an Aquarius and it, there was so much clashing that was happening there um which is very funny because like well again long time friend of the show Tanner uh, is an Aries and we we also we're both um if you don't know we're both horned signs and the Aries is um, a ram and I'm a bull so when we butt heads we butt heads and then we're also fine because we we like the same things in terms of like uh materialistic things in the arts and stuff like that we're both very on the same level with that i had someone a few days ago ask me about like our zodiac compatibility and i just <laughs> i just think it's funny because um on a lot of ways we really mash and on a lot of ways we're like or i'm like i should say like please leave me alone <laughs> so um but yeah yeah i think that's that's really accurate that i don't mesh well with aquarius is gemini's and uh leos but it's mainly gemini girls because i my best friend hi brennan if you're listening to this um is a gemini male when we were like a lot younger we really didn't mesh well but now that we're like adults um we're, we're really good and we're really close and he's a gemini and i love him um, we take a bullet for that kid um one of my favorite teachers in the world who I am still in contact with, who we had a fantastic relationship with. He's also a Gemini. So I think it's just Gemini girls that, I, that are really like off-putting to me. Um, but yeah. <laughs> so the next question was, am I living on campus in the spring? Um, short answer, no. Long answer, uh, the fall semester at my university, my university, at my college, I go to a very small liberal arts college, <laughs> liberal arts writing college um, on the eastern shore of Maryland. Um, fall semester, they screwed me out of my tuition and my financial aid. So my original financial aid packet, I was only supposed to have, I, I think I got a, a ton in scholarships, like upwards of forty to $50,000 in scholarships. I got a few thousand dollars in loans. So my residual, um, like uh, what I actually had to pay was only a few thousand dollars, um, which is still a lot of money, but it was, you know, on the lower end of a few thousand, like under $5,000. I think it was 3,000 um, for the semester. Um, which is very good because my school, if you if you go to a tiny little liberal arts college in the north or no, northeast <laughs> on the east coast, um, 
you know that they are, you know, upwards of fifty to sixty thousand dollars. So my school is sixty-two thousand dollars a year. Um, so that was very good for me, and that was very affordable. And then uh, our financial situation um, in my house got completely rocked um, the, the summer before the last summer. Um, and then because of COVID, uh, my mom was working and I couldn't work. And then when I was working, I was making like $11 an hour. So that's not enough to pay for $3,000 worth of my tuition. And then again, I, I went to a wedding in uh, really middle of nowhere, Maryland, that was socially distant. And then I came back and they said that everyone's EFCs are going to be adjusted. So I ended up owing upwards of nine, $10,000 per tuition for, for school um, with no one being on campus. So it wasn't even counting my room and board. Ask me how that works. Ask me how I went to, from $3,000 to $9,000 in an effort to relieve me of money because of COVID-19. So um, I, I, I ended up taking out more loans and I'm just going to say it. I know I have a lot of listeners that go to Washington College. If you also go to Washington College, um, or even if you don't, uh, there was a podcast that was published um, we have our own radio and, and podcasting like platform. Um, it's called the Radio Free George. The most recent um, podcast that was published was called The Transparency Trap. It talks a lot about Washington College and the issues with it. I am not afraid to call them out on it because screwing me out of my my college experience is awful. <laughs> and so. Um, I mean, I love my school. I love the people that go to my school and the the professors that teach there and the opportunities that they give me, but they are so far from being a perfect institution. And so that podcast came out, called them out, and I've been in communication with a lot of people talking about my experience fall semester. Um, So yeah, so I really didn't want to go through that again for the spring. I didn't want to have to pay more to be on campus. um, And quite frankly, I wouldn't have been able to work. I do not get paid enough for publishing my articles for the newspaper, um, even though I put a ton of work into them. Um, And so I decided to move to Baltimore and work in Baltimore um, in a few different places. And I am making money, (laughs) which is, you know, not everything, but it's nice. And um, I'm able to see my friends in a socially distant way and um, I'm still connected to the school because I am assistant directing a play and all this other stuff. So um, that was the best decision for me. Uh, and the other reason why I'm sharing so much is because I know so many people are in similar situations where they're like, ah, I'm, I'm, I'm missing my first year on campus or even like you're an upperclassman and you're like, I'm missing, you know, being on campus and I'm living at home and a lot of your home environments are like inherently really toxic and it just sucks. Um, and a lot of your colleges have started to kind of abandon you. And even if you are going back on campus, you're like not fully safe and sound. And, and I just, I really empathize with you guys because I feel like the college students have been really neglected <laughs> the past few months, you know, basically the whole, we're, we're approaching a year now um, of COVID. And I feel like the college students have really gotten like the, the, short end of the stick in terms of a lot of us not being able to collect stimulus checks and a lot of us being not really being recognized as like full adults because you may still be on your parents insurance or whatever or or you, your car note may be paid by them or anything like that or even your your school tuition and then but but you still want the freedom of being an adult because you are technically an adult like it's just it's just a weird time um and, and not doing school i am 
a political science major, but uh, I am also on the dance team, a dancer. I teach dance and uh, I take dance classes for a dance minor and um, taking any form of artistic class online is really difficult. I teach um, a lot of art classes online. I teach a sight singing class and a ballet class online. Both of those have been very difficult. So it's just students in general, I really feel for you. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I want better for us. Um, in the 2021 year but but yeah i just so no to answer your question i will not be returning to campus in the spring it's devastating i really want to be there um but i'm good where i'm at <laughs> um and and yeah so uh hopefully i'll be there in the fall but but god who knows at this point <laughs> um this one, uh, this next question is kind of also on the same camp of school. It's how to become a better student. Um, if you would have asked me this like two years ago, I would not really, I, I would, I would have an answer for you, but, um, I wouldn't really believe in it myself. So I was not the best of students really in middle school and in high school. I've always been a really good writer. Um, it's not me tooting my own horn. It's, it's just, um, I'm not a math mind person or even like a mathematically scienced mind, you know, like science classes like physics and, and um, I can't think of anything else. But like physics and chemistry um, were definitely not my jam. But um, for me, it's it's a lack of motivation, and I hate busy work. So, um, if you are asking me this as a high school student, I think just having keeping the motivation and incentivizing yourself for doing work, um, because a lot of it's busy work. I went to an IB school and had IB curriculum, and I still had busy work, even though on top of like countless three to five thousand word essays and presentations and and public speaking engagements and stuff like that. Um, but I think staying organized, keeping a planner, making sure that you know when things are due and just getting ahead of them. I know it can be like really obnoxious um, to, to just do work all of the time. And I don't think that you should do that. I'm a, I'm a real sole proprietor of working smarter, not harder. So, so just get some stuff out of the way. Um, if you can... I'm not like advocating for you to cheat, but if you can find answers to things online, uh, you're doing online school. So you're not getting the full experience that you would be if you were physically in a classroom so i'd really use that to your advantage and just get all the resources that you can um if you need help get a tutor um i know that's not like financially available for everyone but i tutor through an app called wise ant so um if you come across my profile hey but um you you can definitely like find people that are within a certain price range on there um but but yeah i can't um speak to every single person specifically because everyone has different learning styles and struggles with different things but if it's terms of just like retaining content um that can be really difficult so you need to play around with whatever methods work for you which means trying a bunch of different methods before you really get grounded within um your spring semester um but yeah i would say like organization is, is the probably where you want to start and if you already are organized um try everything you can and see what sticks um i can can tell you that retaining information is like really 
only important in terms of testing. Um, and I don't like that a lot of our school careers have been about retaining information. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, but use your online resources because they really can help you. I feel like I sound like a librarian. I don't mean like your online databases. I mean like Khan Academy and YouTube and, and answer banks and, uh, people who have done similar problems than you and, um, just a simple Google search for terms that you don't know or, or a deeper history of things that you do know. If your test is on two to three different things or even, you know, I used to have biology tests that'd be on like 10 different topics in a unit. Pick seven of them that you really, 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 really know. And the other three <laughs> kind of just like know a little bit. So that way you have things that you can spit out knowledge on, especially if you need to like write, um, that way you have like, oh, I can write about this and I can write about that. And then that way you have your set things instead of trying to memorize every single thing. Um, you're knowledgeable in like certain areas and that, that'll be enough to carry you across the finish line and hopefully give you a B or an A. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. Learning right now is like awful. It sucks. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then the final question, um, which I felt like was a good one to end off on because it was really loaded. Um, but this girl asks me, she says... Um, that she's in high school and she feels like all of her friends are just actively participating in hookup culture and she doesn't know if um she is ready for that um she said that she feels like she's ready but she doesn't know for sure and she doesn't want to be shamed by certain friends for just hooking up with whoever and that she doesn't want to be um ashamed by other friends for not hooking up with anyone at all and i feel like this is such a like middle school high school thing that we all have to deal with uh, especially as girls um so i'm telling you that uh i see you and you're a valid human being and i love you and i don't care who you hook up with and when you hook up with that person um i know you're not looking for my validation but other people that are like mature and that care about you um maybe not your parents because parents are always weird about <laughs> stuff like that but um I don't think it matters, and I don't think that you need to tell everybody. Um, I think that you could very easily uh, say, like, you know, if you want to tell people, you don't have to give names, um, and and I don't know. It's just we we attach so much to girls and their virginity, and I don't agree with that. It's not you're not losing anything. You're not like a less whole person just because you you hook up with someone, whatever that means for you, because it could it could be an array of things, um, but. Yeah, I just, I think that if you feel ready and you, you know, don't necessarily care who it's with because it's probably not going to be the best anyway, um, your first few times, but like if, if you don't, if you yourself are just kind of like, I want to get it over with, I don't care who it's with, um, or maybe you have someone specific in mind, like don't get attached to that person being like your end goal kind of thing. But if you, you're kind of more uh, whatever about it, then then be whatever about it and just do it whenever the moment arises or whatever. Um, if you are thinking like you're really nerve wracked about it and you want to wait and you want to wait for someone that like really genuinely, truly, absolutely cares about you. Um, I would also say don't be super, don't like attach all of your love to that person. But um then wait, then chill out until that happens. I don't think you, whatever your friends are doing, um, they're probably not happy doing it if they are uh, pressuring you one way or another. <laughs> your friends that are like, oh my God, you, 
sh- you should never do this because you'll be ruined as a woman and uh, whatever and whatever God says. Um, they are probably miserable and they're just projecting that onto you and the girls that are, you know, just doing whatever they can with guys that don't really respect them. Um, then, then they are also probably miserable and they want you to be in the same camp of being miserable. Um, I'm not saying that girls that hook up with a lot of guys are miserable. I'm, I, I don't care if you hook up with a lot of guys. Live your truth. Tell me how it is because <laughs> um, I think that that's fine and that's, and that's cool and that's valid and guys do it all the time and um, I'd be really happy for you if you were doing that. <laughs> um, I think that you should live your life as long as you're being safe and like not getting pregnant unless you want to do that, but probably you probably shouldn't but you know if you're if you're just chilling and that's something that makes you happy uh, i don't think that's going to make you miserable but hooking up with a bunch of guys that don't at least like you or respect you or that are going to tell everyone your business that's a different story don't hook with up with, with a bunch of those guys <laughs> um hook up with a bunch of guys that are nice to you <laughs> um and that respect you and your boundaries and all that fun stuff but but yeah i don't it doesn't matter it really doesn't um people that attach themselves to like uh you know girls should be above this body count and then there are also people that are like girls should be below this body count or you should be saving yourself for marriage i'm not going to tell you any of that because it does not matter you know we attach so much to uh virginity and to sex with girls um but but if you're happy hooking up with people at every single party being safe and probably not right now because it's COVID-19 that's what I'm gonna that's my sole advice to you is please be safe because you have COVID and now gonorrhea to worry about um but um uh, like if, if that's the thing that's gonna make you happy um then do it if it's the opposite then do that but don't do anything based off of what your friends are doing because um if they're pressuring you one way or another then they suck and you should get different friends I will be your friend you're cool. I will be your friend. Um, and I will not tell you to do one thing or another, but if you do the one thing, then tell me about it, please email me because I really, <laughs> I'm really curious. Um, as to like the people that you guys are hooking up with, I get so many comments that I do not put in the episodes, um, about just like guy advice, because I think that a lot of times they're really personal and sometimes you guys don't want them out there, but you still want advice about them. Um, so a lot of you guys just like email me about your like boyfriend drama and like who you're hooking up with and who your best friend hooked up with. And like, I'm, I'm still here for it. It makes, it brings me back to being like 16 and I, (laughs) I really like that. Um, so, so yeah, so, so whatever you end up doing, let me know and I'll be there for you and I will applaud you and I will mail you cookies just like the other people that are listening to the show but i'll probably give you some extra because we're best friends now so how about that (laughs) all right guys that is all of the questions that i'm going to answer today i think i did five one two three four yeah i did five um please as always send me your questions comments concerns stories i haven't gotten any really good stories lately so please give me some drama Um, if not then i'm gonna like google some and i'm gonna read them on this show because i'm gonna become slowly just transition into becoming like a reaction youtuber (laughs) um but but yeah i really enjoyed uh answering all of your questions today so uh without further ado uh i'm gonna end off this episode i love you guys so much i hope that you're staying happy and healthy and just know that you are loved and valid unless you're one of those people that stormed the capitol building and i hate you um or one of those people that doesn't wear masks in public just just really think about your life choices um 
And yeah, tell your moms I said hi. <laughs> um, and send me stuff because I like talking to you. I will see you guys um, sometime <laughs> after I move. Um, and I hope you guys have a wonderful, beautiful, fabulous rainbow-filled day. And that is it for the eighth episode of the Wise Gal Podcast. <laughs>